When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness, March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, on this edition of our podcast. Got a packed show. I'll be joined by Memphis head coach Penny Hardaway, UCLA's Tiger Campbell, Tennessee's Kennedy Chandler, ESPN's Seth Greenberg, and Chad Aycock from Turner Sports as we do some predictions later in the podcast. Well, what a week we had to open the regular season in college basketball. I was there in New York City for the Champions Classic as we had Duke taking on Kentucky, Coach K's last game at Madison Square Garden. There was a ceremony before as ESPN presented him with a framed, wasn't a jersey, but a framed photo of all his involvement in the Champions Classic all 11 years. Uh, That's the first of many because when they played Army at Cameron Indoor Stadium over the weekend, there was a gift from Army. This is going to happen throughout the course of the season, but he's got a team that's worthy of quite a send-off because Trevor Keels, yes, Trevor Keels, not just Paolo Bancaro. Trevor Keels was something special, 25. Bancaro had 22 as Duke knocked off Kentucky. So Duke's going to definitely be there. They're in the mix. Mark Williams, Theo John. I love their interior game. Wendell Moore is certainly a player that's got the experience to help this team go far. Kentucky, a lot of great pieces. Oscar Shibwe, he's a rebounding machine. Salvi Wheeler, he cut down on turnovers uh, after the first game. Kellen Grady's making shots. Now, they did lose C.J. Frederick from Iowa uh, because of a hamstring injury, so he is done for the year. But uh, So that'll hurt perimeter shooting-wise, but Kentucky definitely has a team that will be in the mix for the championship. But I love Kansas. Kansas' depth, they've got Ochai Abaji, who I think could end up being a first-team All-American. He was dynamite in their win over Michigan State. David McCormack, Mitch Lightfoot, Jalen Coleman-Landis has been there forever in terms of in college basketball. This is his fourth school. Remy Martin now has accepted his role. So the pieces are there for Kansas to make a deep run. They beat Michigan State, a team that we're going to hear more of because of Max Christie. He's going to develop into being a star for the Spartans. So they'll be fine going forward. And then, woo, on Friday night, we're going to talk about this with Tiger Campbell. UCLA-Villanova, late night for the East Coast and to some extent in the West Coast. Packed, poly, awesome to see. Overtime game, two Final Four teams. And we thought this would happen with a summer and fall that we didn't get in 2020, but teams are experienced now. They're playing as if it's February. And that's because everyone's been committed back in the gym uh, more than we've ever seen before. Super seniors, transfers, experienced teams. Everything is in place for all of these teams to have a chance to compete uh, for the national championship. But then on Saturday night, Gonzaga was something special. Drew Timmy, 37 points, knocked off Texas, a team that's going to get 
figured out because of their experience uh, with transfers. But the Zags look the part of being a title contender. Uh, Chet Holmgren, he'll develop, but uh, Andrew Nemhard and Drew Timmy right now, that one-two punch, and they've got Rasheer Bolton, the transfer. Uh, so they've got experience, and they will be in contention for the national championship. Again, deserving of their number one ranking, although I have UCLA. So at the beginning of the season, my one-two were you know, my player and team of the week, where I had team of the week, UCLA, player of the week, Drew Timmy. Uh, from Gonzaga. So, uh, here early in the season, we're going to be a little, uh, you know, we're, we're going to hit you here, uh, and then we're going to be back on a more regular basis in December, but we've got quite a podcast here in the middle of the month in November. So, sit back, enjoy it, whether you're on your Peloton, whether you're running, whether you are out walking the dog, uh, or just listening through your laptop. We appreciate all your engagement here at March Madness, March Madness 365 as we take a look at where we are here after week one in men's college basketball. And joining me now here on March Madness, March Madness 365, my good friend Seth Greenberg from ESPN. And Seth, uh, it was a great first week of college basketball. Starting off, we were both in New York for the Champions Classic, Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas. And by the end of the week, we've had upsets. We've had great atmospheres, obviously, with the overtime game with UCLA going over at Poly, Texas, Gonzaga. Gonzaga looked great. Drew Timmy drops 37, but a great atmosphere at the kennel. Uh, there's been a little bit of everything in this first week of college basketball. What are your impressions? I think it's been a great way to start the basketball season. When I mean, you think about it, where we were a year ago, you know, the last year and a half, I think we have a better appreciation for things we took for granted. And I think that's what it's been all about, quite honestly. Uh, you know, Champions Classic was absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, Paulo Bancaro and Trevor Keels and uh, the manner in which Duke played. Uh, you got to be excited about Oscar Sheway in Kentucky and Severe Wheeler. And uh, obviously, Kansas playing without Wilson, you know, played at a very high level. But I think the first week of college basketball set the stage for something really exciting this coming season. Uh, and we've had great games. Uh, think about that game at Pauley Pavilion. First and foremost, that win, Andy, validated validated UCLA's run to the Final Four. You know, everyone talked about they outperformed their numbers, and you know, guys played above their how they played. You know, during the course of the season. Let me tell you something. UCLA is tough. They're physical. They can defend, and they've got shot makers and floor gamers all over the floor. So, uh, I think we're in for a, a hell of a season. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we had fans, packed places in Madison Square Garden, Poly Pavilion, the Kennel, three unbelievable venues, we all just missed that so much. And so did the players. Uh, and, and the fact that we had a summer and a fall uh, and we've got super seniors and transfers, uh, it just feels like the quality of basketball is going to be higher in November and December than what we're used to. You've been there. You're the coach. Uh, what's your opinion on that? No, I agree with you, Andy. I think, first of all, super seniors in a transfer portal. There are two ways to go with transfer portal. I think some teams are going to get uh, much better. They're going to get older. You, know, you think about, you know, just look at like a team like Kentucky. You know, everyone talks about get old and stay old. Well, you know what? They've gotten older through the portal. So instead of one of the youngest teams in the country, obviously they're one of the more mature teams in the country. Uh, so I think that's going to be really interesting to watch, just the impact of the portal, because you're going to have some programs that, that signed really good players from the portal, but they're the best players on maybe bad teams or they're guys that are not used to winning. It'll be interesting to see how teams kind of adjust with that. Then a team like Florida, uh, they started five transfers, five transfers. They got five guys that fit 
the identity that Mike White wants to kind of establish and has established at, at, at Florida. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting. You're going to see older teams. You're going to see more mature teams. You're going to see, I think, early in the season, uh, a better level of basketball. And then I think you've seen a lot of coaches adjust to a more European NBA style of basketball, a lot more flow, a lot more two-point guards, a lot more uh, flowing from right in your transition game into offense, more spread offense, uh, you know, with maybe one big and four skilled players around that four with a lot of spread ball screens. So uh, I just think it's going to be an exciting, exciting year. You, you mentioned Gonzaga earlier. Uh, you know, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Ch- Chet Holmgren because, let's face it, a lot of people think he might be the number one pick in the draft. You know, Chet Holmgren is the future, his future. But the present is all about Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy's one of the toughest matchups in college basketball. His footwork's ridiculous. Uh, he's got terrific hands. He's all different ways to get angles to, to score it around the basket. Rashir Bolton, who transferred from Iowa State prior to being at Penn State, gives him another experienced backcourt, the use of the portal. Andrew Nebhardt, a transfer from Florida in a different role greater experience in the backcourt. Then they've got like Anton Watson who's, who returns. So those talented freshmen from Gonzaga are very good, but the heart and soul of their team are going to be those returning players. One other player that we haven't even seen yet, and this just speaks to the quality of the week, is Kofi Coburn uh, because he had to sit the first three games and his first game will be in Kansas City next week at the Hall of Fame Classic against Cincinnati. Then they'll play either Arkansas or Kansas State, uh, which I think also speaks volumes the fact that he hasn't even played yet uh, and, you know, we're already looking at, uh, you know, uh, just a high-level week of various players. The, the two teams that I'm curious, because we mentioned Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, we saw Gonzaga, Texas, you know, Villanova, UCLA. They haven't played the competition yet of these other ones, but they've looked really good. And those two teams come to the Big Ten, Michigan and Purdue. What are your quick impressions? Well, Purdue's really going to get after because I'll tell you that tournament at Mohegan Sun next weekend is going to be as good as any tournament. You're talking about Purdue and and, and Villanova and uh, North Carolina and the Tennessee team. That's terrific. We talk about them in a second, but yeah, Purdue. Jaden Ivey might be the best guard in the country. Six four can get the ball anywhere he wants. He's got an NBA scorer's game, but he's also extremely patient. They've got two front court players, and obviously Zach Eady and. Travion Williams. I'm Travion Williams comes off the bench, plays about 15 minutes a game. And if you saw his interview the other day, he's embracing this new role and is going to do whatever he has to do to help his team win. So I think that, you know, the Big Ten is is really deep. I think the SEC is the deepest league in the country. And then Illinois, you know, people t- t- spent a lot of time talking about Io DeSumo, but they also got four returning players. And Andre Corbello, I think, has a chance to have just a monster, monster season. He's got to shoot a little bit better, only shot about 17% from the three. But, you know, Kofi Coburn is the immovable object. Uh, DeMonte Williams, obviously Trent Frazier, two mature physical players. Uh, the Granderson kid had a great first game. So, uh Look, the Big Ten is going to be really good. The one concern I have in the Big Ten, and I'm high on him because EJ Liddell could be the player of the year in the country, the guard play at Ohio State. I've got to see it improve. Through the first two games, inconsistent guard play. I'm not sure they have a shot maker on the perimeter, but, uh, you know, Chris Holtman will do a great job. But that, that is a little bit of a concern as I look at the Big Ten. I always find this interesting this time of the year, and I think it's great when there are upsets in the bye games. Uh, but more often than not, the bye game upsets come against high profile teams that ultimately are either bubble teams or may not make the tournament. Um, every once in a while, I get the outlier uh, when it happens. A couple of years ago, we had Stephen F. Austin winning at Duke. Um, but 
it's good for the game, but at the same time, I caution people reading too much into uh, when a Mac school wins on the road, uh, an Ivy, you name it. That's a good example. I mean, Georgetown, I don't see as an NCAA tournament team. Great win for Dartmouth. But uh, I, I want to put them in perspective, your opinion. No, I think that's right. I mean, you know, Louisville is probably the one that was most shocking because I think Louisville has a chance to have a good team this year. But, you know, if you look at the upsets, Arizona State, uh, they really struggled last year. You know, Washington last year was an awful team and, uh, you know, they lose to Northern Illinois. So when you go th- really carefully go through these losses, uh, they're power five losses. They're teams that are rebuilt their teams with the transfer portal. And that's what I was saying earlier. You're rebuilding your team. You're coming off a losing season. Uh, you're getting guys that have good statistics, but were they winning players where they were? And I think that's the big thing. So I don't overreact to that too much. We see a Kentucky lose early. We see a Duke lose early. We see a Carolina lose early. Uh, you know, Princeton had a good win against South Carolina, but South Carolina struggled last year. Georgia Tech obviously loses uh, the player of the year in the ACC, and uh, Jose Alvarado was the MVP, if I'm not mistaken, the ACC tournament. So when you really look into the depth of these things, yeah, are they upset? Sure. Uh, because you're talking about teams that have unlimited resources, but they're also in rebuilding stages with new players and then trying to reestablish their identities. Appreciate it, Seth. I know we'll be watching you all week in studio. And then next week, uh, I hopefully we'll see you in Las Vegas uh, when you're out there doing games. Yep, we're excited about that. Uh, feast week in Vegas. Uh, we won't be on the court, but we will be in the action. Let's, let's say that much. All right, thanks, Seth. All right, buddy. And now joining me are March Madness, March Madness 365, Tiger Campbell from UCLA. And Tiger, um, I wish I was there. I was not there. I will see you guys against Gonzaga in Las Vegas. But it looked to me like one of the best atmospheres we've seen in years. Uh, I don't know if it's part post-pandemic, Villanova, but Polly was rocking uh, like we haven't seen in years. What, what was it like to be on the floor experiencing that game against Villanova? Well, you know, Villanova is such a great team. Uh, it was just crazy at first just being out there playing such a, against such a well-coached team like that and a highly ranked team. And then just to look around and see all the support from all the students in the den and all seeing our parents there and, you know, to go on and keep going, all the great fans that came out. And it was just crazy to have Pauly packed out like that. Um I haven't seen it like that in a while since Jaime's game winner in my freshman year against Arizona State. But, uh, yeah, it was just surreal. Like, growing up, you wish to play in atmospheres like that, and uh, that's really what it was. You know, obviously, a lot of hype with this team. Uh, I've got you as my number one, even though you're ranked two. Uh, You know, so I'm a believer in what you guys did in March and the carryover. But how much did you need this game and the way in which you finished it to validate which I, what you probably already knew was happening in practice, but to actually see it translate onto the court. Yeah, just being in the game, you know, going down 10 towards the end of the game, it was tough, but we felt like we came together and what coach was preaching, like we've been there before. We've been down in big games and we've had to come back and, you know, just the, the ability down the stretch to hit shots and, you know, put our defense together. It just showed that we could play together and play as a team. And uh, it really just carried us all the way to the end of the game. A year ago, if you didn't have Cody Riley, you guys would be in trouble. Uh, you add Miles Johnson. Obviously, Peyton Watson's not a true post, but he's just another high-level player within the rotation. Um, what did that game tell you about the depth 
of this team. And I could go on Jalen Clark, his play, Jules Bernard, your fellow starter, guys that maybe don't get as much recognition certainly contributed. Yeah, so I see these guys every day in practice. So, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in one through 13 on our team, you know, to the end of the bench. But I feel like that was more of just showing the country that, you know, we're deep. Like we have like pretty much the names you brought up, Peyton, you know, Cody wasn't playing. Miles gave us great minutes. Miles is a great player. Um, Pey- Peyton for to be able to come in and contribute on defense towards the end of the game like he did. And Jay Clark to stop the game when he shot at the end by going straight up. And that's not even to go deeper. David Singleton, Jake, I could go all day with the players that we have. And I just think that everybody's confident. And one through 13, we feel like we could go. You made big shots. You mentioned the defensive plays from Clark and Johnson. Uh, and obviously, Johnny had that stretch struggle a little early. And then he had that stretch where he couldn't miss. And then Jaime. Um, you know, he's another guy that I think just doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. Uh, and, and, being that uh, better than a glue guy, but just finding the angles and ways to produce uh, no matter what he's called upon to do. What have you learned about your teammates uh, after a game like that? So it's my third year with these guys, including Coach Cronin. But I just feel like it brought us all closer, like games like that, because it's really like you look up at the score and you really don't know which way it's going to go at times in the game. So I think that just being able to pull through that as a team, you know, people hit big shots, like you said, people making big plays like that will be able to we'll be able to build on that as a team throughout the season. So this is a good kickstart for us. You know, I've talked to your peers about this being almost the perfect storm. The NBA draft was late. Players like yourself didn't get a chance to really have the full experience last year uh, being in the bubble. Uh, The fact that NIL came into play, how much, do you feel like not just for you guys, but even, you know, your veteran Villanova that you guys played against that we may see maybe one of the more experienced seasons from elite teams that we've seen in quite some time because so many guys came back, super seniors, transfers, and everything sort of that I mentioned to get to, to this season. Yeah, I think every team has a few super seniors. Uh, so I think it would just be more competitive. You know, sometimes when young recruits come in, they're not really you know, ready right away. But with these super seniors, these guards and these big men that have been here for a while and know what to do in college basketball, they're really helping their teams. And I think this season is going to be fun for everybody because I feel like a, a lot of teams are really good this year. Well, Tiger, it's a pleasure. Uh, unbelievable game. And I will see you uh, in Las Vegas. Thank you, man. Always. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. And now it's time for Cats Ranks here on March Madness, March Madness 365 with my top 10 teams that I think have lived up to their hype here early in the season. Let's start at number one, UCLA, my preseason number one in my power 36, beats Villanova in overtime, packed poly. And number two, Gonzaga, preseason number one, but I had them number two, knocked off Texas behind 37 from Drew Timmy. They certainly look the part. Great to see a packed kennel. At number three, Kansas. Their experience. They are an old team. Very old team. And they certainly look that part. There's no question about it. So Kansas, national championship contender. At number four, Duke. A lot of hype in Coach K's final season. Trevor Keels and Paolo Boncaro, who could be the number one draft pick. Um, Maybe over Chet Holmgren. We'll see. Well, they lived up to the height. 
with their win over Kentucky at the Champions Classic in front of a sold-out Madison Square Garden, or close to it. At number five, Villanova. Colin Gillespie back, Jermaine Samuels, Justin Moore. This team has all the pieces to compete for a national championship. Clearly the favorite in the Big East. Takes a 10-point lead on UCLA late at Poly. Great comeback from UCLA. They can't win in overtime. But the fact they took the game, went on the road, Villanova deserves every bit of praise that they're getting. And number six, Michigan. Hunter Dickinson came back. He's strong. He's physical. Eli Brooks, Brandon Johns, they've got experience. Caleb Houston, Devontae Jones, uh, Debate, another freshman. Terrence Williams played really well for Michigan. So they've got all the pieces. They can compete for the national championship. Again, they were one seed last year. Purdue, I've been hyping the Boilermakers, my pick to win the Big Ten. Sasha Stefanovic early, making shots. Travion Williams, embracing the role of coming off the bench. Zach Eady, double-double machine for Canada in the Phoebe U19 in Latvia. He's played well early. And Jaden Ivey, I was big on him because that's what they told me. USA Basketball said he could have been the best player on that team, even though Chet Olmer got the MVP for the gold medal team in Latvia. He's been sensational. Pieces are there for Purdue early. They're looking the part. Memphis. Experience coming back, but what did we know about Jalen Duran and Monty Bates? Reclassifying. Were they going to be ready? Boy, are they ready. Bates has been unbelievable. Remember, he originally committed to Michigan State. He's flying all over the court, making threes, pulling up in rhythm, dunking the ball. Penny Hardaway has a squad, yes, that can compete for the national championship. Adding Larry Brown, a little experience on the staff, even more so. So, no question, I think Memphis so far is living up to the hype. Now, here's 9 and 10. You could go any order because as we're discussing this, Illinois, as well as they're playing, Kofi Coburn hadn't played in the first week because he had to miss the first three games due to an NIL suspension prior to July 1st when it came in to existence for the NCAA. Oregon and Maryland, that's my 9-10. Oregon, Will Richardson, yet the next in line for the Ducks to play well, to be that leader for Dana Altman. They destroyed SMU. They're going to be fine. They're going to compete with UCLA and Maryland. You think the transfers are going to contribute? And boy, did they. Kudus Wahab, Q, the rim protector Maryland needed. He's next in line from Stick Smith, Bruno Fernando. Now it's Wahab. It's Georgetown's major loss, Maryland's huge gain. And Fats Russell, turnovers are down. He is ready for this kind of role from Rhode Island to Maryland, teaming up with Eric Ayala. I think Maryland's one-two punch of Fats Russell and Wahab, in addition to what they had coming back, Yes, they lose Daryl Morcello, who's been playing well for Marquette right off the bat. But Maryland has a squad that I think they, they could be a Sweet 16 team. We're seeing that already. So that's my list of my top 10 teams after the first week or so of college basketball that are living up to the hype and certainly can go pretty far in the NCAA tournament. And now joining me here, March Madness, March Madness 365, Penny Hardaway, the head coach of Memphis and uh, Penny one week into the season obviously the competition's going to step up over the next couple of weeks but so far the snapshot we've seen of your team and especially Imani Bates uh is pretty good uh just want to get your eyes on the ground you're there I'm not what are you seeing so far one weekend well you know I see that we're uh we're playing pretty good basketball early you know the good chemistry with a new team is something that you don't find early you kind of build into it 
but from uh, the first game, uh, these guys have been together, uh, unified, and moving the ball offensively and defensively, getting after people. So I'm really proud of that. You know, at least it's in the highlights I've seen. Um, Bates is playing so loose and confident. I mean, just coming down, step up, uh, you know, within rhythm, making shots. Uh, it just seems he's got great bounce. But what are you seeing on a day to day basis? Well, what I see is what everybody don't see, and that's the gym, the gym hours, the unrequired hours that he just goes in the gym and does his own work. And when he works, he works at 100 uh, percent. I've never seen a guy work so hard in the gym and then it pays off. Hard work is undefeated. So for me, when I see him work that hard on his own game and in practice, when he gets into the game, it just comes, you know, it's secondary nature to him. It's, it's easy because he's already put himself in that mindset while he's working out. So definitely, and he's a student of the game. He asks a ton of questions. He watches a lot of film. And uh, he's definitely ahead of his time at 17 years old. How about Jalen Dern? Jalen is a grown man. Uh, he's, he's a kid that is a total team player. You know, he puts everybody before he puts himself. Uh, he just wants to win. It doesn't matter if he averages one point. He says he wants to average 20 rebounds a game, you know, and in uh, five blocks. So he's he hasn't gotten the rebounds the way he wants to yet because he's still figuring out his spots. But the protecting the rim and doing everything else is doing excellent. Obviously, to win, I think this season maybe more than ever, you got to have the combination: great freshmen and veterans. Uh, and your veterans maybe this is our fault, are not getting as enough due. But clearly, if you guys are going to win at a high level, they're going to have to contribute, and they already are. What are you seeing? Well, you know, we have really good veterans. You know, we have unbelievable shooters in Landers Nolly and uh, Lester Quinones and DeAndre Williams. I mean, what can you say about him? He's a guy that uh, at the four and five, to me, is a mismatch because he's so elusive. He has a ton of energy, and he's really a guard playing uh, the, the forward position. And uh, Alex Lomax, to me, arguably the best defender in the country. Uh, on ball. Uh, he's a guy that gets after it and uh, kind of reminds me of the Ashton Hagen role that he played at uh, at Kentucky for us. Just going to do whatever it takes um, on the court to get us a win. And uh, Malcolm Dandridge, who is definitely underrated as a big, is, uh, is a guy that's protecting the rim and doing what he needs to do. So I think the mixture of our veterans and the guys that we've added with uh, Earl Timberlake and, uh, and Chandler Lawson, and then our freshmen are, are phenomenal. I mean, Josh Minot is is on our radar big time because he's, 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 a, he's a kid that doesn't need the ball to be effective and is doing really good. And, um, you know, just excited about, you know, our, our three freshmen that are playing a lot of minutes, but all of our freshmen, even uh, John Camden, who really hasn't had a chance to play as much, but is still really good. But I'm excited about my team. The staff that you added, uh, especially Larry Brown, what, I mean, Hall of Fame coach, one of the best ever, but he's older, he'd been retired. Uh, how did that come about where you reached out to him and he actually was interested and say, you know what, I want to keep doing this? Well, we never really lost touch. Coach and I always kept touch after I played with him for him with the Knicks. Uh, we just kept in touch just to talk about basketball. It's kind of a mentor, bounce things off of when I was uh, having, uh, having problems in certain areas or just had questions on certain things. He was always there. So when I got the job at the University of Memphis, I tried to hire him and the timing wasn't right. And then now four years later, I'm, I've hired him and he's on board and uh, it's been nothing but fantastic for us, for myself and for the staff and the players. Here's what I love, Penny, is that you are one of those people that knows sometimes uh, you know what you don't know and you're OK with that. Um, you, you can put your ego aside and say, you know, this is the area I need to get better at to be successful. And a lot of times 
certainly people that have had unbelievable success in life don't see that. How did you develop that quality where you say, you know what, I need help and that's okay to improve myself? Yeah, well, I was that way as a player. You know, um, I got to the pinnacle of being the best, best guard in the world, uh, but I didn't get there by myself. I got there through asking questions and whatever I didn't know, I've always been like the guy to, to ask. And as a coach, I've been the same way. I've, I've appreciated what the other coaches bring to the table. I'll, I allow them to be themselves. Uh, it's definitely not a dictatorship here. It's just, you know, it's more freedom uh, for everyone to, uh, to kind of give their opinion. And I really lean on their opinions a lot because to be great, you're going to need someone to, to help get you there. You can't do it alone. So I've always been, I thank God for that, that trait to be, to be a guy that set any ego aside to be able to, to make the whole uh, thing work, work properly. You know, the other thing, Penny, is, and I've heard this argument before, obviously everyone wants to make the tournament. But if you bring back enough players, sometimes, sometimes, if you were to go out early, first round, and the experience is over in like two days versus spending a couple more weeks, you win the NIT. Yeah, that, the guys have to come back. Uh, it can really be beneficial. How do you see it? Yeah, I see it uh, as being beneficial as well. You know, obviously, we had our opportunities to get into the NCAA tournament. We didn't. Couldn't cry over spilled milk. But the experience in the NIT was awesome for us. Played some really good teams, uh, teams that were definitely NCAA worthy. And we ended up winning the entire thing. So we finished our season with a W. And that led us back into the season, understanding that we were champions and that we have bigger goals. You know, uh, we haven't made the NCAA tournament since I've been here. Uh, we've had some mishaps, you know, James Wiseman, you know, leaving the team, being ineligible. That was definitely a year that I felt like we would have made it. Uh, and then last year, we just didn't get over the hump in certain areas where we needed to. So winning the NIT definitely helped us with the majority of that group coming back to have with these great freshmen and uh, and these uh, transfers, you know, to having a, a pretty good team. So in an NIL world, uh, you know, with Little Penny, uh, you would have done pretty well. Uh, if we'd had Little Penny, maybe when you uh -huh. were in school um, versus when you were in the NBA. Uh, what's the world like now, coaching these guys in that new era? Well, it's it's a little weird, but you know what? I'm used to it because that was my world when I was in the NBA, dealing with, you know, endorsements and trying to get money. So I'm, I'm familiar with what's going on with the college guys. The recruitment of it is, you know, kids, you know, they want to know about the NIL opportunities. They want to know about NIL all, all the way around. So that's the different part when you're recruiting these kids. But to us, to me, just with the kids on my team that are going out and trying to get their own deals, that's what I did in the NBA. So I'm definitely familiar with that. Well, Penny, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I know this is going to be a team that we're going to love watching throughout the course of the season. I appreciate you uh, and good luck uh, over the next week or so. Oh, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee. And uh, Kennedy, this is going to be an interesting season because there's going to be so much experience with so many guys that decide to come back, super seniors, a lot of transfers. Yet, I still think the freshmen are going to be one of these stories, if not the story this season. You are one of those freshmen. Uh, how are you approaching this season in terms of the impact that you want to have? Uh, you know, I was going to bring everything I got to the table this year. Uh, for the team this year, and you know, I want to be a winner this year, and come out compete every single game this year, and fix things that we need to work on after the game is over with, and you know, compete hard in practice, and you know, my main goal, you know, is always you know, win, go to the Final Four, win the national championship you know, for this Tennessee team. Why Tennessee? W what was the draw? Coach Barnes, you know, he's a great coach. He coached great guards, some great players like DJ Augustine, TJ Ford. Coach KD, 
just all the point guards he had around him, I know he better develop me and be the player that I could be to get to the next level I want to go to. How would you describe your game? You know, I'm versatile, try to find my teammates open, get everybody involved. When I need to score, I score. But, you know, for me as a point guard, I want to lead my team. Like I said, find everybody open so everybody have great connection with each other and, you know, build up leading that to a win. You know, last year's freshman class didn't have a summer, didn't have a fall, and they didn't even know when the season was going to start. How much can you already tell it's going to benefit you that you had that uh, leading into this season? Well, you know, it's exciting, you know, for me to be able to play my first college game just a couple of days ago, you know, for me to go out, see some fans out there. I ain't played that big of a crowd in a long, long time. So for me to see that crowd and those who gave it more packed out, we play really tough games, you know, it's going to be a real fun year this year. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that last year's class did not have at all were fans. I mean, maybe a scattering at different places. What's it going to mean when you're at, when you're in Knoxville, when you're in Rupp, various spots along the SEC in front of, you know, 15, 20,000 fans? Uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be crazy. But, you know, we have a great team this year and we're going to show, we're going to show our Tennessee fans what this Tennessee basketball team is looking like. And we'll show them that we're ready to come and play hard this year. So, Kennedy, I mentioned this class. Uh, you've played against these guys. What's your assessment of your peers in this freshman class? Uh, it's a great talent in this class, great players. And, you know, I know I'm eventually going to end up playing against a lot of them this year. And I'm looking forward to, you know, competing against all my friends and some teammates that I play with at USA and just some AAU. So I'm looking forward to playing against them. Yeah. Can you name a couple that you've had uh, good experiences with that you've played with? Uh, you know, I play with Chet. Um, Jane Ivey, I played with him at USA, Peyton Watson. There's many more athletes out there. I probably can't on top of my head, you know, just so many out there. I just know a lot of great athletes that are in my class, like Apollo. I know a lot of great, Trevor Kills. I know a lot of great athletes and more players in our class that, you know, I'm looking forward to playing against each year. Kayla Love as well, and RJ Davis, I know them as well. So, you know, that's a newer thing. I mean, obviously, 20, 30 years ago, there was a lot of intensity competition, even though guys did play maybe at camps, but they didn't travel together. How do you think that's going to progress? I mean, these are going to be your peers in college, hopefully the NBA. What do you think of this new era where you do play with a lot of guys along the way? Uh, you know, it's more, more um, I'll say, more communication with them, more um, experience with each other, you know, playing better with each other, just getting to play with each other more longer, as I say, and, you know, building that connection with each other as well. All right, last thing, Kennedy, uh, for you to have and Tennessee to have a you know, fantastic season where we're talking about you guys in, in February and March, what must happen? You know, we must compete hard every single day, every single game. Can't take no plays off. As Coach Barnes already told us, you know, every possession counts. We can't we have the mentality that we want to compete hard every single possession. And if we do that, then we can do something special. We can have a special year this year. By the way, I didn't mention this tremendous freshman in your state uh, down in Memphis, you know, with uh, Amani Bates and, and Jalen Duren. So certainly the freshman class in the state of Tennessee is sensational. Uh, Kennedy, appreciate it. We'll be tracking you throughout the course of the season. Thank you. And now it's time for March Chadness. Yes, Chad Acock is back with us here on March Madness 365. The season has started, so it's time for some predictions. Chad, uh, welcome back to the show. One week into the college basketball season, we've had a lot happen, and even more will occur over the uh, 
remaining weeks of November. So what do we have? Yeah, Andy, you know, it's good to be back. Let's take a take a look at uh, some upcoming games that will kind of take us through November and, uh, you know, get us ready for December. But let's start this week with Ohio State and Xavier. Uh, it's part of the Gavit games, uh, you know, brings together the Big East, Big Ten teams. Uh, Ohio State opened the year 17, didn't really look the part, you know, should have lost to Akron, uh, didn't look that much better in their next game. Uh, Xavier 2-0, and Paul Scruggs, Colby Jones leading the way. Who do you like to win this game? So my concern for Ohio State in chatting with Chris Holtman is their health. Uh, Justice Suing and Ryan Young, uh, excuse me, Kyle Young, uh, Ryan Young plays for North Russian, Kyle Young, um, they're not healthy, 100%. And that's not good going to the Cintas Center where Xavier's going to have this place rocking. They do not normally get Ohio State coming to Cincinnati. So this just feels like everything is set up, especially the way Ohio State's playing right now, which is just okay, and a lot of emphasis on EJ Liddell. Uh, I think Xavier's going to pull off the upset at home. Wow, I like it. It'll be a big win for them. Uh, a couple days later, Saturday, November 20th, we've got a couple of big-time games at the Hall of Fame uh, tip-off tournament. Uh, should be a couple of fun ones. Let's start with Villanova and Tennessee. Uh, it's at the Mohegan Sun Arena. Villanova kind of collapsed down the stretch, you know, against UCLA, had a 10-point second-half lead. Tennessee dominated early against, you know, UT Martin and ETSU, but this will be their first big test. Who do you like to win this one? I like Villanova. Um, I think Tennessee isn't there yet. Kennedy Chandler on our podcast. I mean, he still has some time to develop going against a very experienced backcourt. And Villanova had a 10-point lead on UCLA on the road in a packed poly. I like Nova. All right, Nova. And then if they win, they would face the winner of North Carolina and Purdue. Uh, 2-0 start to the Hubert Davis era uh, at uh, at UNC. Purdue, also 2-0. Uh, Jaden Ivey, living up to expectations so far, as a lot of people thought he'd break out, uh, be a you know, big-time you know potential player of the year candidate. Uh, who do you like to win this one? I like Purdue. Um, Carolina got really pushed by a Brown team that's probably going to finish maybe fourth in the Ivy League. Uh, R.J. Davis basically saved Carolina in that game with a number of three-pointers. So I like the experience of the Boilermakers, Purdue versus Villanova for the championship. All right. And then hypothetically, of course, if they both won, who would win that next one on Sunday? So this is a tough call. Uh, because I think Purdue is a little bit better for the national championship. Um, And I'm going back and forth, but here's why I am actually ultimately going to go back to Purdue. Uh, And that is because inside with Zach Eady and Trayvon Williams, who's coming off the bench and has accepted that, they just have a decided advantage against Villanova. As good as Villanova is on the perimeter, their weakness will be inside. And the size of Edie and Williams combined, I think, could be too much for Villanova. Now, Ivy's going to have to play well. So is Sasha Stavanovic. Um, they're going to have to make shots. But I think Purdue's interior wins this game. Yeah, I think that's a really great point you made there. Honestly, you know, Villanova they had zero rim protection uh, at UCLA. And I think that's, you know, Cody Riley probably could have punished him if he was playing in that game. But, you know, he wasn't there. And that's kind of what kept it close, in my opinion. So I agree. Produce, produce front court and interior could uh, give them the edge there. All about matchups. Yep. And then uh, that would kind of take us into Feast Week. A lot of early season tournaments. Um, but one matchup specifically that I think everybody will be locked in on uh, will be Gonzaga and UCLA and Vegas. Rematch of the Final Four. Who do you like to win that one? So I'm going to be there. And I'm actually going to go with UCLA here. Uh, and the reason being, as well as Gonzaga played, 
uh, Texas wasn't ready for that game. And uh, I know Chet Holmgren was not a factor or a major factor, I should say. It was a lot of Drew Timmy. But I didn't feel like Texas's bigs even knew to guard Drew Timmy. Uh, and I think UCLA is going to be better prepared. I don't think Cody Riley will be available. Uh, we don't know that for sure. But an MCL seems kind of quick to come back that soon. But Miles Johnson is going to be a problem for Drew Timmy. Uh, that kind of size and length. And I just like UCLA's guards a little bit better than Gonzaga's. And I think it's going to be a great game. But I think UCLA gets revenge. All right. If we get anything like we got in the final four game, it should be another uh, thriller. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, the battle for Atlantis, though, gets started on Wednesday, the 24th. Uh, headline matchup is UConn and Auburn. Uh, Tigers brought in a lot of transfers. They've kind of got a new look team. Do you like them to beat UConn? So Jabari Smith has been phenomenal here the first week of the season. I saw UConn in person and Adama Sunogo, who somehow was not on either first or second team preseason Big East, he is going to be a problem for everybody, including Jabari Smith. But I, but what I loved about UConn is they've taken on Hurley's personality defensively. Uh, and RJ Cole took, what, I think three charges in the first half. I think he's going to be a problem for Auburn's guards. I like the toughness of UConn's guards better than Auburn's at this point in the season. I think UConn wins. Wow. All right. I'll go the other way on that one. I like Auburn, you know, those transfers, Wendell Green, Walker Kessler, Katie Johnson, and like you said, Jabari Smith. I think they'll get it done. Andy, save some leftovers uh, from Thanksgiving because Friday night we got another big time matchup here. Uh, it's Duke and Gonzaga in Vegas. A lot of West Coast big time matchups early in the season, but who do you like to win this one? So I'm actually going to go with the Zags in this one. Um, as well as Trevor Keels and Paulo Boncaro played against Kentucky. Um, Duke was a little shaky back at Cameron in their tournament of the week, and they won the games, but they had to really work for it. And I, I don't see Gonzaga getting swept in Las Vegas. UCLA is better prepared for this game. Duke is still an inexperienced group overall. And I think that with the experience of coming off of UCLA, whereas Duke will not have a game like that prior, uh, and there's enough time in between for Gonzaga in Las Vegas, I like the Zags to beat Duke on that Friday night. Okay, yeah, I agree there. And then to close out the month, we've got the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, Coach K's farewell tour uh, continues, this time in Columbus, Ohio, to take on the Buckeyes. Uh, who do you like to win? So by that point, uh, I think there's a chance Ohio State's healthy. And uh, look, this is a Duke team that I think can definitely get to the Final Four, but this is a tough schedule, and we don't always say that about Duke. Uh, this is a true road game, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Columbus is not always the greatest home court, but in this game, of course, for Duke, they will get up. And Duke has won on the road in this event. They won at Michigan State a couple years ago. Uh, we were there for that. So uh, I'm yep. going to like Ohio State, though, in this one. I think the Buckeyes, uh, who might be a little smarting after the losing at Xavier, if my prediction holds, I think they come back and win this game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Wow. That would certainly be a, a big-time win, considering how they've started the season. Uh, next up, that very next night, December 1st, another big-time matchup in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, this time, Michigan at UNC. Who you got in this one? So, I actually like the Big Ten again in this one with the Wolverines. Uh, loved the way Hunter Dickinson is playing. He's just playing even bigger and stronger than ever before. Uh, Eli Brooks has, you know, added just solid senior play, just steady play. Devontae Jones is going to get better and better. Caleb Houston, same deal. I just think they're a better team. And I think they can win on the road in an environment at the Smith Center. Uh, so unlike what happened in 93, 
the timeout game between these two schools. Uh, I think Michigan beats Carolina. Maybe not for the same kind of, uh, it's not for a championship, but I like Michigan winning at Carolina. All right. And then let's close this thing out. December 4th is the battle in Seattle. It's Alabama and Gonzaga, another big time West Coast matchup. Um, Andy, I think you like this Bama squad to win the SEC. Uh, how do they stack up against the Zags? I do. And Javon Quinterly and Jaden Shackelford certainly will be a problem for the Zags. But this is a glorified home game in Seattle. And it's a long way for Alabama to travel. And once again, Alabama is going to be fine. They're going to be an elite team. They've got another great matchup later in the month of December against Memphis. But I like the Zags in Seattle to beat Alabama. So over the course of the big Zag games, the one I have them losing would be to UCLA, but I got them beating Duke and Alabama after they've already beaten Texas. Yeah, they're certainly not scared to play anybody. So uh, it'd be fun to see how they do early in the season. But Andy, that's all I've got for you. That's kind of a high level look at what we've got for the next two, two or three weeks here. Awesome. And we're going to do this throughout the course of the season. Uh, and for the most part, uh, you know, I had a pretty decent record the last couple of years. I hope that uh, that will stay true as well. That's right. Thanks, Chad. You got it. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness, March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, you can check out our podcast across all our social media platforms at Warner Media and NCAA.com and March Madness. Uh, as always, we love your engagement. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening.